the Smash Daily Podcast. Weekdays 4 to 6 on 107.1, the Big Z. Radio for the Riverbend. What is going on, anyone and everyone that might happen to be alive at this particular point in time? That, of course, does include those listening in and from the spirit world. I miss you all. I love you all. Huge howdy to the High Holy Three. And Lady Chop Chop, I love you. It's not a dismal day. It's just an overcast day. Sometimes overcast is dismal, but it ain't dismal. It's just overcast, but the temperature is nice. I don't even know what the temperature is. Lolo? You are in here as producer extraordinaire. I ask you, sir, to go to your resources as producer and find out what the present temperature happens to be. It is currently, drumroll please, while this loads, we're going with 58. 58. Mm -hmm. That's not bad. That's That's near 60. That's near 60. Because I was expecting by the end of March, and March is not ended yet, something major bad weather like 20 inches of snow or something like that is going to happen. It always happens. But not yet. It's nice. Very, very nice. Boy, 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 what a uh, crazy world we're living in. Well, first of all, I want to talk about Mayor Walker. They're getting ready uh, for the elections in April. And Mayor Walker had a situation to deal with the other night. And that is that a data breach occurred here in Alton. Are you familiar with uh, what was breached and uh, what might have occurred? It happened at the uh, Alton City Hall. I'm uh-huh. not sure That's what right. was breached, yeah. but maybe personal documents of some sort. Let's see what the mayor says. Uh, the incident has affected uh, the functionality of some of the city services, uh, and we are working to restore the functionality as quickly as possible and shouldn't be very much longer. Uh, the police and fire departments are currently completely operational, and they are con- uh, they can conduct their you know public safety duties as usual, which they always were able to. Anyway, they weren't affected uh, with regards to doing public safety. You think it might be one of these genius type students or a group of them from SIUE or maybe Lewis and Clark? That's what I'm thinking. Maybe might be. <laughs> might forget be. about the Russians. Right. Exactly. Forget about the Lithuanians, the Estonians, whoever they are. Yeah, college kids. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. I won't put the blame out there, but that's that's what I'm thinking. Here's a genius, speaking of kids. Girl's in a fire, all right? Her mom had left for work. So her mom's not getting, the, the little girl, the eight-year-old, her mom's not getting any charges pressed against her because the mom was at work. The babysitter who happened to live in that apartment complex, the babysitter wasn't with the babies, all right? She was next door in her apartment. People don't know how the fire started. There's a fire in the apartment where mm-hmm. the little ones are, all right? Mm-hmm. An eight-year-old and a couple of youngers, okay? Eight-year-old seeing the blaze. She says, hey, little brother and sister, 
follow me. Mm-hmm. I always thought you could do this. Third story up, I believe it was. She, in some way or another, takes the bed, the mattress, flings it out of the window. Wow. It lands right below. Uh-huh. She jumps out of the window, lands on the mattress. You're kidding no me. No problem. You're kidding me. I'm serious. <laughs> oh, my god. Chicago. That is wild, that isn't it? That is insane. I always thought that was a smart thing to do, yeah. and here somebody did it. You only see that on, like, cartoons. Yeah. You never think that that would happen in real life and work. Maybe that's where she did see it. There you go. She got the bed in some manner or another to go out the window, and the mattress. Yeah. And it lands perfectly flat, perfectly underneath, so she don't have to jump out or jump to the side or anything. And she jumps. Three stories? Three stories. Oh, wow. And lands perfectly on the mattress. Then she gets her little baby brother and baby sister. They're, when I say baby, they go four and six or something like that. Yeah. And they jump out too. And they land on the mattress. By the, at that time, the firefighters have come and they, they catch them off the mattress sure. and everybody's all right. Wow. Off the mattress. Yeah. I would have thought you still broke your leg or something like that, but nothing. Little kids. Must have been one of those like memory foam type of mattresses. Could be. <laughs> you know. <laughs> But bravo That's to good. her. Bravo. Right. Exactly right. Exactly right. So, magnificent. Now, this is, I don't know, people. All right, so this guy named Reverend Kevin O'Brien. All right, he's the guy who uh, kind of like had something to do with the swearing in of Joe Biden. Also had uh swearing in of Barack Obama the two times. And now he had the swearing in with, uh, with Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. It's a Jesuit priest. Reverend Kevin O'Brien allegedly, quote-unquote, exhibited behaviors in adult settings consisting primarily of conversations which may be inconsistent with established Jesuit protocols and boundaries, according to the statement by the board chairman there, John Sobrato. He did not specify the allegations against O'Brien, but said that the trustees, quote-unquote, Support those who came forward to share their accounts. Hmm. Now, why would a priest be like in an adult setting? Some could argue maybe he's there to save people. Maybe yeah. get people to come to Jesus. I don't think so. But, you know, you try to be uh, Christian rational, and that's what uh, you would put it at. But this dude's over there probably telling adult jokes, maybe something like that. Probably. But here's the deal. I've dealt with priests that give you adult jokes. They ain't like crotch jokes or anything like that but you know adult type of humor you laugh at it. he's a priest hardy har 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 right but uh this guy gets busted for it see what happens uh with this guy but sometimes you got to watch out man mm. but aren't priests allowed to have a sense of humor yes i think so but but do it to a certain degree you got to also be a standard bearer for the lord exactly and maybe that's not standard bearing for the lord however one would argue that by being one with the commonality that you are a standard bearer for the Lord. Mm-hmm. One of the ways to just use the term infiltrate the sin population is to be at least in in acting as a sinner. But you're also in the public eye if you're a priest. Yep. You're also in the public eye, so you probably ought to act with some sort of dignity, I would think. I was what I would think. Or respect about yourself and your profession. Then I suggest to you, you get out of the radio business and become Father Lolo. Father right? Lolo. That's what I'm saying. On it. Okay. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. This is a nutty situation.
And I call it the border wars, all right? Because war, I'm going to talk about it on the backside, but war is fought in a different way. Here we go. It appears Mexico's plan to beef up security at the border is off to a slow start. The Mexican government insists boosting efforts along this border with Guatemala to slow the tide of Central American migrants heading toward the U.S. But ABC's Marcus Moore, who's on Mexico's southern border, reports migrants arrive from Guatemala by the boatload Monday before getting into a waiting fleet of taxis. This is the Usamacinta River that separates southern Mexico from northern Guatemala. Authorities had said they were going to step up patrols and enforcement. I haven't seen that here. Meanwhile, the White House is under growing pressure over conditions at border facilities in the U.S. Some feel well over capacity. The administration is not allowing journalists in. But these pictures released by Congressman Henry Cuellar show one tent facility severely overcrowded. The administration has all the good intentions. They want to treat the kids in a humane way, very different from President Trump. What President Trump did by separating kids, that was wrong. But in trying to do this, their good intentions are being overwhelmed by numbers. The San Diego Convention Center is now preparing to house unaccompanied migrant children, just like the Dallas Convention Center, as the number of children in federal custody without a parent swells to more than 15,000. Terrible. Not the border crisis. Terrible. The way they represent President Trump. Now, here's what the deal is. If you listen to that, And even with half an ear, you probably caught this guy, this representative from wherever he's a representative from, Texas. Um, Henry Cuellar is his name. And he's talking about the unfortunate situation for the children down there at the border that have been sent there by their parents. And this is what he says. The administration has all the good intentions. They want to treat the kids in a humane way. Very different from President Trump. What President Trump did by separating kids, that was wrong. But in trying to do this, their good intentions are being overwhelmed by numbers. That's the problem, all right? They're playing Trump off this whole deal. They can't get away from Trump. Right. Crazy part about it is Obama and Biden did the same thing during those eight years. (laughs) And now it's recurring, and it happened while Trump was there, too. Because they let it happen. When I was an immigrant with my parents, we came from Greece. That's a country. And what we did was we came into the States, all the right paperwork, went to Ellis Island, took care of all that kind of business. They didn't speak English. They only knew Greek. I didn't hardly speak at all because I was just a two-year-old. And we got placed in Indianapolis, Indiana. And my mom and pop worked and they learned English and they learned how to drive mm-hmm. and it became, quote unquote, Americans. All right. Americans, not, not Greco-Americans, not Afro, Afro-Americans, not uh, Irish Americans, none of that stuff. They became Americans. Mm-hmm. And that's what we became. When they talk about the numbers, this guy, Quayar, here's what the numbers mean. The numbers mean that these Central American and Mexican countries, they're sending these people into America because it's a numbers war. Now, this goes all the way back. I ain't talking about a numbers war like, oh, we're going to go ahead and, and storm we're, with Zapata. We're going to go take the Alamo. 
Ain't that kind of numbers. Ain't about soldiers anymore. Soldiers are different now. Now your soldiers are these immigrants. It used to be you had to come in with your parents if you're going to be a child immigrant. Now you can send your children first and then they bring the parents along later because the children shouldn't be without their parents. Mm -hmm. And so that's how the parents get in. They send the children first. Initially, if you're an immigrant and you're coming with your mom and pop like I did, Mom and Pop got in first, and then they said, yeah, we got a kid. Here he is right here. He needs immigration and naturalization papers. I don't do that anymore. It's a reverse type of thing. So your soldiers, soldiers are your children, all right? So they're coming in because a long time ago, when Mexico lost the territories of Texas, Arizona, and California in the south, uh, there was an anger that goes through the centuries. And now that anger in taking back that territory that was usurped from Mexico and Central America by the white man, this is a way of taking it back. All right? I'm a great conspiracy theorist. All right? So there's one way of taking it back. Mm -hmm. Another way, uh, and, and the children are the soldiers. Another way, but they ain't soldiers with guns and fighting and all that kind of stuff. Germ soldiers also exist. So a country could actually send over germs in some way, and the germs debilitate, if not kill, part of the populace wow. of that country instead of sending the actuality of a human soldier, all right? Mm. So your germs do the work. You have germ soldiers now. You have, we're talking about the numbers, you have the capability through one and or a group of hackers to go ahead and ruin the numbers in whatever it could be four guys and they could take out a whole city when they figure out the, the quadrants and how all that electronics runs watch out they're going to start taking out portions of the united states numbers they don't have to have their soldiers come over here because you know you ain't going to do nothing ain't nobody going to beat the united states if you send soldiers over here watch out the bombs are flying but i tell you what these germs are really perplexing. We better do something about it. And it's funny, quite often, the country that sends over the germs already has the antidote. And their people are taken care of, but by golly, we can't give you the antidote for maybe a year or so because we want to see how many people get killed off these germs. Now, this is all conspiracy theorist stuff. Mm -hmm. I ain't saying that's what happened. I ain't blaming any country. But... I sure do believe that that kind of stuff happens. You can't fight a war with soldiers anymore. We found that out in Afghanistan, in Iraq. You can't take on Iran. They got too many missiles. They got too many guns. They got soldiers, quote unquote, soldiers in the form of human beings in place. They're called cells. They got their cells in place, and those soldiers will know how to attack what they need to attack. Maybe just destroying some buildings. Maybe destroying through the... Uh, through the internet, whatever the case may be. But when the time comes, and let's say it's Iran, because Iran is quoted to be our enemy, Iran says, button is pushed, boom, cells rise, all kinds of havoc uh, occurs after that. So soldiers are different nowadays. It's not like a full-blown army. A soldier can be a germ. Here's another thing. How much time I got? Ah, I'm cool. Yeah, you're fine. Korea, 
North Korea, mm -hmm. was cloning dogs, all right? And so they're cloning dogs. Now, if you can clone some pit bulls and some Doberman pitchers, mm -hmm. these dogs who have an aggressive tendency, and once they can be taught even more aggression, if somebody needs to come across the line, your dogs are your soldiers because they can lose dogs because these dogs are cloned. And your dogs have a viciousness when they see the enemy, somebody on the other side, they attack. And all of a sudden, you got a rank of soldiers that does the work that a normal soldier would do on their, their canines. That blows my mind, man. That blows my mind. i tell you what, man. I'm going to write movie scripts now. You should. That's what I'm thinking. You become a priest, and I'm going to be a, a movie script <laughs> and I'll writer. I'll promote you. But this guy here, this guy... Henry Cuellar is talking about all the problems at the border. And, boy, I tell you what, if it wasn't for Trump, we wouldn't have problems at the border. You stupid idiot. That's the beauty of this country. I can call a representative a stupid idiot. I'll tell you why. Because I put you in place. I gave you your, 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 your contract to support America, to support your constituency. I gave you health care for the rest of your life because you got voted in. I gave you a salary that I won't see for maybe... What you're making in a year might take me five to ten years to make. And you over here blaming the last guy? Forget about it because the guy that's in right now did the same thing before he got into, into power. But that's just me thinking out loud. Ooh, I get really emotionally involved in this whole deal. Thank God. we got songs like this that can take us to a different level, to a different plateau. I'm going to talk with a guy named Keith Hauser. This guy knows security. We're going to get into this thing in Boulder. And what people can do to prepare themselves for a situation of going into a mall, what do you need to do? Conceal and carry? What do you need to do? Carry pepper spray with you? What do you need to do? Do you need to carry your own rifle, your own gun? But, hey, I'm just shopping for Grandma. We'll talk with Keith about it. He understands security. Until then, let us rejoice in the fact that there are songs like this out there. Brooks and Dunn, you're digging the smash. Smash Daily, 107.1 FM, the big C.
This, my friend, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. And that, my friend, is only in America. Listen to the Smash Deli podcast anywhere, anywhere, anywhere. Google, Apple, Spotify, and the new home at Amazon Music. Smashdaily.com. Gulf Shores Restaurant and Grill. I love that place. I tell you what, man, you, you can get all, all the crab you want. You can get all the lobster you want, all buttered up and everything. Delicious. All the drinks you want. Delicious. They know how to make, make drinks over there. Gulf Shores. I'm talking about the food and drink of the Big Easy, of New Orleans, of the Gulf Shores. There's two locations here in the St. Louis region, in the Riverbend region, one on the Missouri side in Creve-Cour, and here in Edwardsville. Delicious food. Harry Parker knows his recipes. Why? Because his mom and his pop set him up with the understanding that this is the way you cook for people if you're going to be cooking Big Easy style. So... With that in mind, if you are hungry for the food that only can be gotten in New Orleans, true or New Orleans style, you got it right here in the River Bend on the Missouri side. You got it right here. You can find out what the whole menu is in the just simplicity of going to Gulf Shores Restaurant and Grill.com. Take advantage of the fact that the whole menu's there. And then get on over there and enjoy the experience. It's not just about eating food over there. It's the experience of understanding the way they do it in the Big Easy. Gulf Shores Restaurant and Grill.com. Smash, smash, digging a smash. Smash daily on the Big Z.
go, baby. That's the way you rock and roll, ACDC style. That one part in there we go, la, 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 la. That is sinister. It just sounds sinister, but it rocks with reckless abandon. And now when I think of sinister, I think of people shooting up Boulder, Colorado. I think of sinister. I think of these folks who could wind up, if they get riled up, burn down the liquor store in your neighborhood. Because that's what they did when they went wild out there in Minnesota. When it went wild out there in Portland, that's what they did when they shot up Boulder, Colorado, when they shoot up these schools. And I called my friend Keith Hauser here. Keith, how you doing, partner? Great, sir. How are you? I'm cool. Easy going. I know Keith through Shark Fitness, and I know Keith through the great work that he does with the youngsters, young cadets who are getting into the military, and he gets them geared up and shored up for the opportunity to go ahead and defend this country, if not physically, mentally. And I tell you what, this guy understands that capability and understands exactly what security is about. I just wanted to talk to Keith here because I just want to start with this guy goes into, and he looks like a nut, but he goes into the grocery store there. King Super, it's called, like a supermarket. King Super, he goes in there and shoots up the place. Ten people are dead. One was the officer who was uh, in security over there, and this guy had like seven kids, man. 51-year-old dude, looks like a nice fella. Uh, And and it's kind of like, Keith, what do we do about that, man? Can we can we go anywhere? We got to be on the watch for people. What are, are some of the maybe red flags we we got to look for when people get this kind of crazy? Well, you know, the challenge with yesterday is you're just in the shopping center and you're doing your thing, and suddenly this guy explodes in the door, like you said. And for that, as far as initially, there's not much you can do in that situation. Yeah. As far as trying to prevent that, because even yeah. if you put security at the door. A guy who walks in there with that kind of weaponry um, is going to take out the security guard. He's going to blaze right through the the metal detector. Mm -hmm. So it really comes down to having yourself mentally prepared to handle a situation like that. One of the things you do when you go to a location is always have an exit plan. It doesn't have to be something you sit down there and you write down every time you go to Schnooks. Good point. It just means you know where the other exits are. You know that there's an exit at the back of every retail spot, whether it be a a grocery store, a bar, restaurant. doesn't matter. They always have a back door. So when you hear things, you first hit the deck. That's your first reaction when you hear gunfire, something you assume to be gunfire. That'll, that uh, helps you avoid any initial barrage. Mm-hmm. Uh, secondly, you start to assess the situation and find out, is this something I can escape from? You know, and that's where you use the yeah. back door or second door or something like that. You know, third, if, you, if there's a place to barricade and, and hide and stay hidden, uh, you want to do that. It's got to be a secure location. And you have to make it look like uh, it's an empty room. You can't have glass windows with people sitting there, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then the last one is the, uh, the whole last-ditch effort that, if you're confronted with a situation, you have to fight back. What imbeciles and, and, and crazy people like that think about is they want to find easy targets, to put yeah. it bluntly. So if you're huddled in a mass of people and you're frozen in fear, unfortunately, that makes you a very likely target. Mm-hmm. However, one, uh, one thing you dictate for, say, for example, you're in a small enclosed room, no chance of exit, no chance of hiding, you begin throwing everything at that person's head, everything, your shoes, a purse, a chair, yeah. anything you get your hand on. Yeah. It may not be a high probability of, of that, but at least you're doing something. And there's a chance, and I demonstrated this in one of my classes. I was talking to a young cadet I had who helped me teach a hand-to-hand class. And I told him specifically, I said, when I look at you and nod, get ready because I'm going to throw my clipboard at you to emphasize the point of fighting back. Mm. Now, here's a guy who had martial arts his entire year. 
I look at him. I nod. I zing my clipboard. He misses. It cracks him upside the neck or upside the nose, breaks his nose. Oh. And he knew it was coming. Yeah. He absolutely knew it because we had practiced it before. So that would be your last-ditch effort mm-hmm. um, as far as, as immediate prevention and active shooter type situation. Um, as far as other things you can do, you know, you look for people that have unusual behavior. If it's a warm summer day and yeah. somebody walks in with unusually warm clothing on mm. and they're looking around and they appear to be nervous, yeah. perhaps there's a weapon underneath the clothing. You don't know. Yeah. That's something you don't turn your back on. It's something you stay aware to. And in our security world, we talk frequently about having a 360-degree awareness, mm-hmm. which means not allowing people to get up behind you. Now, you don't have to walk around paranoid. Yeah. And and you'll hear a lot of people say there's paranoia. I don't want to be paranoid. No, but there's also prepared. Mm-hmm. And that's a very, very different mindset than being paranoid, mm-hmm. just knowing what's going that's on right. around you. That's right. Once uh, somebody told me I was paranoid because I do that kind of stuff, I said, I'm not paranoid. I'm precautious. And that's what the deal yeah. is. That's what you got to be. Let me let me uh, put on this lady here who mm-hmm. talks about when that shooting occurred, she was there in the line of fire. It goes about two, two and a half minutes, and then I'll uh, hit you on the backside. Here it goes. Um, I think that we're still kind of in shock that uh, it even happened. Um there really wasn't any sort of indication, you know, that whenever we had come in that that there was any kind of problem. And uh, I, I tried to run for him and uh, my son pulled me back and said that we had to get away. And uh, so I just tried to focus on my son. Um, I was mostly focused on like just making sure that he stayed as close to me as possible and that uh that he didn't stand up too far because I just didn't want him to be too tall and become like a moving target because uh we couldn't tell exactly where the shooter was. We knew that he was getting closer to us. Um we're pretty aware like straight immediately that that it was a a, a large uh, firearm that he was using. And uh, I just started uh, focusing as much as I could on the the sound and the direction that he was moving and uh, it, how many seconds in between firing. Uh, and then uh, if I could hear him racking his, uh, his firearm in between shots so that I could try to gauge what kind of platform he was using. So I knew that we, what we were dealing with and but there was just too much noise and uh, so I just looked at my son and I told him uh, in between shots, uh, by the fourth shot, I started counting. And I told him, we have three seconds. Stay low and don't look and just move fast. And uh, he almost hesitated and I just told him, we don't have another option. We're, we don't have any more, any other chance to, to get out of here. So he got to his hands and feet and stayed low and just kind of ran like, he just kind of like that ran and crawled on his hands and feet so that he wouldn't be seen. And uh, I, I briefly glanced to my right to, to make sure that we had a clearing. And uh, I, I don't know exactly who I could see um, because it was just so fast. I just stayed focused on my son and on trying to get away. How did this lady do Keith Hauser talking to you, partner? You know, I can tell 
uh, just by listening to her conversation, at some point she's had some degree of training, whether she's former military, former huh. law enforcement, or yeah. she just attended a good seminar. Yeah. Um, because if she was that calm to count shots yeah. and to start thinking, hey, look, we got a shell away from here, and I was trying to see if he had to reload. Those are things that I would, I would be listening for. Mm. Uh, and without knowing the, the definite situation, like, did she have a chance to sprint and just get out of Dodge? Because, I mean, I'm a very, very high-level shooter, uh, a very, very high level. Yes, and you are. trying to nail somebody who's on the run is, is not easy for most people, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. the worst thing you can do is freeze, and she did what she's supposed to do. She kept calm, it sounded like, anyway. Yeah. She's probably under some uh, shock after the event. You could hear that in her voice. But she's talking to her son. She's communicating well. She's paying attention. And for the average person, that's all you can hope for. Yeah. You know, to counter that, I think in the very beginning of that interview, she said she thought about running toward the individual. Now, if you've got a weapon or something like that, or you are, are stuck in a room or there's absolutely no other way out, doing a kind, of a, a kind of a bonsai charge like that may be your only option. But that would be a terrible idea if you had any other options to you, to get out, to duck, to crawl mm-hmm. away. Uh, or even if you did have a weapon on you uh, to charge the individual, there's no no necessity to do that. Uh, if you're going to carry a weapon, you know, I always encourage people to find some competent training with that. Giving somebody a gun that doesn't know how to use it is not a great idea. Yeah. And uh, But somebody with competent skills, depending on what the shooter was doing, could be the game changer, as we saw in that Texas church a couple of years ago. Right. A uh, person came in, started shooting, and a parishioner stood up that did have training, and he neutralized the subject. Hmm. I'm just thinking to myself, you know, because I always thought, and I'm not like, you know, Mr. Badass or nothing like that, but I always thought if I got in that situation, I would charge that guy and tackle him and beat the living daylights out of him, but you shouldn't be even thinking to do that, huh? Man, it, unless you are very close yeah. and you have a good degree of training in hand-to-hand combat, yeah. uh, that's likely a losing proposition, especially yeah. if they have a you know a pretty pretty stout weapon with them that can yes. produce a, a large ramp of fire. Yeah. That's probably not going to work out well for you. Hmm. You know, the crazy part about it is you hear all these newscasts and we and and they're saying and we got to study these people. We got to find out, you know, when they have a mental handicap before they do this shooting. The problem with America is we find out afterwards and it's kind of like still nothing is is done to quell this kind of action because you don't know when somebody's going to just go ahead and 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 flip his wig, shall we say, and go become the assassin that that person happens to become this guy who did Boulder, Colorado, this guy, the pity of it to me, I don't know, is he didn't get killed. He still got mm-hmm. to live. And all these folks got killed. All these lives are ruined. And I ain't talking about life and death. I'm talking about lives like people living a life gone. All right. Families decimated because of a guy like this. And this guy gets to live three squares a day, uh, a day, over in, in, in prison, and maybe that's sometimes what they don't care if that happens to them. What do you think? I, I think you've got a point there in terms of that. Some people who have nothing going in their life, yeah. they, they look at uh, prison as at least I have a roof over my head and food in my stomach and, and a reasonably warm environment. Yeah, you know, I, I think in the case here, they're already talking today about how he had some instability. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I read a report where it said that he was known as a mental case and mm-hmm. he had anger issues and other mm-hmm. things like that. And he was known by the FBI, at least initial reports, and that's all hearsay, right? Yeah. But I think we have to take a harder look at how to identify subjects that yes. do have the capacity yes. to do that. Yeah. I know the, the knee-jerk reaction is, 
to go after to instill more gun laws. Mm-hmm. And I personally, that's just not the answer. Because quite frankly, there's not a criminal in the world that says, hey, you can't carry that kind of gun anymore. He's going to say, okay, put it down. Yeah. Right? You're only penalizing people. And I know that there's people out there that, that appear in paperwork to have all the legalities to own a weapon. They train with it, whatever, and then something breaks in their head, and they do something horrible like this guy did yesterday. Yeah. But at the same time, um, I think we have to give more more ability to people to identify uh, those folks that have a predisposition to doing violent acts. Mm-hmm. If a guy's uh, got a gun, and he's pointing it maybe mm-hmm. in your direction, but pointing in any direction, does having martial arts skill really help if you can't even jump the guy, shall we say? I mean— you know, a lot of people will say, well, let me go into martial arts, taekwondo, jiu-jitsu, whatever it is, to go ahead and, and know how to defend myself. But it's tough to defend myself when the guy's got a gun. That's, that would be extremely high risk yeah. to do a hand-to-hand move on a guy with a weapon. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And you've got to be pretty much standing next to him. Yeah. I mean, it's part of the things that you teach, but I tell even, even the students that I've worked with in law enforcement and military yeah. that if you are unarmed and you're attempting to take a weapon away, understand that is a very high-risk move, mm-hmm. even to the well-trained. Mm-hmm. How about security for yourself at your house? I understand you got cameras and all that kind of stuff, but let's say you got an intruder coming in your house. How do you defend yourself in your house? Is it because you know your house where things are on the layout and you know how to pounce upon the guy? How does that all play? Partially, I think it's important for families to have a safety plan enacted so yeah. that if you have a number of people in house, children, adults, whatever, you use code words, right? Mm. And this sounds like you're, you're going overboard with it, but it's not. It's actually a good plan. So if I give code red, that tells any children I have in my house to go to a certain room and yeah. get down based on the situation. But yeah. I have to have more than one code because if you have somebody who enters through the basement, the back door, the front door, right. there has to be an individual plan for that. Mm. And, you know, talking to your kids is something I encourage parents to do. We tend to want to shelter our children from the ugly part of life. And yeah. I understand that to a point. However, it also makes them very ill-prepared to deal with the situation that may arise. Right. You know, and you don't have to, to, to freak them out and get graphic with them. You say, hey, look, if a bad guy comes in the house and I say code red, you're going to run to my bedroom. You're going to get on the floor, underneath the bed, in the mm-hmm. closet, thing mm-hmm. on the way out of the house, mm-hmm. and you're going to be quiet. Mm-hmm. And then here's a situation how you alert 911. If you still have a landline in your house, hit 911. If you don't feel like giving your position up, just leave the phone down. They'll yeah. come. Yeah. If you have a cell phone, it takes longer to triangulate your position. So there you have to communicate and say, I'm at this address. There's an intruder in my house. I have to go quiet now because he's coming. Mm. And as long as you get that address out, you know, or if they have a better system where they can identify your location, yeah. help is on the way. Yeah. The challenge I think we have to, to kind of consider, and the reason why some people are feeling very vulnerable right now, is you have this idea of defunding police. At the same time, you're hearing about potential gun control movements. Mm. So if they take away your ability to protect yourself, if you take away the brave men and women who are supposed to protect you, mm-hmm. where does that leave the average person? Right. And I get those questions a lot in these seminars I teach about, well, wait a minute, where do I fall on this? If I can't have this and they're not going to protect me, what do I do? Yeah. Let me ask you, if a, if a guy has a gun and he's an intruder in your house and what you have is a, a, a knife, let's say, and you have to wind up fighting him, don't you, I mean, don't you feel that... Uh, I don't want to stab somebody, but but and and it, and it makes you kind of like in a different defense mode because you're afraid of what the situation is, and yet at the same time you have a weapon, you're fighting with the guy, but you're afraid to stab him because you don't want to stab nobody. But then again, this guy could wind up killing your whole house, man. How do you get the mentality 
to make that stab? I you you have to compartmentalize it, and the more that you think about it and train, I think training is the is the key to that yeah. question. That if you talk to a competent professional, and there's a wide range of people that put the the shingle on the door saying I'm not yeah. an expert at this, I'll, I'll be the first to say that. But when you talk about it and you rehearse in your mind different scenarios you may find yourself involved with, mm-hmm. then it lessens the chance that you freeze in place yeah. and you wind up becoming a victim. Yeah. Now a knife in a gunfight, that's the old classic conversation. Yeah, right. You're in a bad spot. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And and again, anything you have where you don't have equal footing and weaponry, the odds are not against you. It becomes a very high risk maneuver. So you have yeah. to kind of assess the best you can that person's demeanor. Yeah. And figure out do they want a belonging? If so, let me help you carry it to the car. Mm. If they give the impression they want to do bodily harm to you or your yeah. loved ones, yeah. that puts you in a different frame of mind and of course you act after differently. There, there's no yeah television or laptop that's worth a life or well-being of your children or yourself that's right that's right that's right as keith hauser if somebody wanted to get a hold of you where do they go on the web who might uh, who might you is who but what number might they call you know what we do things via email um honestly and that yeah, would be keith j-e-a-t-h at build warriors.org and that's for the patriot training foundation that's the organization you spoke of where we train law enforcement and military as a nonprofit. yep keith at buildwarriors.org k-e-a-t-h exactly right so lolo producer here you were a security guard uh, at various spots what keith's talking about here did you ever have to employ some of that stuff i went through some training yeah and uh that was for active shooter training mm. and that's everything that keith just said mm-hmm. is exactly what they trained me to yeah. do so anytime i walk into a walmart or wherever with my wife i'm always looking at my exits and where can i exit if something yeah. were to happen you know i didn't even think about that guys uh the, the first thing you should do is know where the exits are. That That's a very valid point. Also, it might be smart. Let's say if it's in a grocery store, know where the farthest aisle is, you know, that kind of that kind of stuff. I'm thinking correctly because if guy comes around the corner with a gun, I ain't got no weapons, I'm throwing cans of soup at this dude, anything I can do, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, when you're on a public area, let's say we're out in a parade, yeah. right, and there's a crowd of people, obviously you're in open air, uh, but still the exit plan or knowing what you can get behind to prevent uh, yourself from being struck, mm-hmm. right? So if you're at a parade, they typically have those big concrete jersey barriers. So obviously, I mean, if you're going to stand for your particular watching point, yeah. stand next to one of those because if it hits the fan, you can jump behind them, and a concrete barrier will absolutely stop a bullet. A tree will not, a bush will. Yeah. That's considered right. just concealment. You want yeah. cover something that can provide protection. Right and then just be very wary that um, in a crowd like that, if something goes down, the risk of being trampled gets very, very uh, uh, high. Yeah. So also be able to prevent yourself from getting uh, stomped on if you get too low. So there's a number of things to consider, and we could talk for at least an hour easily I know. about these things. I know. Well, we'll talk again about these things. That's Keith Hauser. Once again, the website? Keith at buildwarriors.org. And our training is available basically to law enforcement and military. All right. Beautiful. That's, yes, a guy, that's, a guy, that's a guy who knows his stuff. That's why I turned you on to him here on WBGZ. I love you, partner. I'll talk to you later. You too. Thank you, Smash. That's a good man, Keith Hauser.
Landmark Realty. I tell you what, you want to see any house that is available to you, sale-wise, you go to GodfreyLandmark.com. Landmark Realty. They're right there. They got pictures of every house here in the River Bend that's available for sale. All right? Not only pictures of like the front of the house, side of the house, the interior of the house, also the roof of the house, the yard of the house. You need to know that stuff. You need to be able to look at the roof and see is there flashing damage around the uh, chimney. Got to be able to look through the roof and see is there mold damage under the shingles. You know, well, how, how can I look under the shingles? They'll turn different colors. You see that because of the aerial. So you have all that opportunity to look at these houses and then, you call Landmark Realty, and boom, Matt Horn answers the phone. He said, Matt, I want to see this house today. I'm thinking about buying a house. Can you get me there? No problem whatsoever. I tell you what, once you see the kind of great work that they will do for you at Landmark, you'll say, I want to get that deal. You can get it right there on the website, GodfreeLandmark.com. I want to get that deal where I know what the new listings are as soon as they come out. It comes right to your inbox. Fantastic. And if you want to sell, no problems whatsoever. When you want to sell, you list with a leader. And that's why you go to Landmark. So just turn you on to good stuff. Landmark is the place right there in Godfrey. Godfreylandmark.com.